This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Woo, hope you are all rested. Starting off the week with energy and joy still in your head and your heart because you had an amazing weekend or a few days depending on when you're listening to this of uh, self-care and rest i i try to remind everyone even when times are difficult it's okay to still try to build in a little bit of joy that is not dishonoring all that might be going on in your life it is not dishonoring any difficult moods or anything mentally you're struggling with it's okay to hold both i'm always trying to teach everyone to hold opposing thoughts, opposing moods, opposing ideals, uh, especially when we're in relationships with people. They're going to be both the person we love the most and at times also the person we hate the most. I see too many people kicking friends, family members, and loved ones out of their lives the minute they let them down or disappoint them because people will let us down and disappoint us over and over and over. As long as they're a good person, take accountability and we learn and bond. That's what matters. Let me give you a little bit of a close personal transparent example. So Dr. Chris, you know, he's in a relationship. Um, it's odd to talk about myself in the third person. Uh, when people do that, it freaks me out. So I'm going to go back to first person. So I'm in a relationship. Uh, it's such a defense mechanism to third person because it's othering. It's externalizing. It's not me, even though I'm talking about myself. It's, it's this person over there. We need to bring it back in. We're always trying to resolve shame. Uh, I have no shame about being in a relationship, though. So I'm actually deeply in love and I'm with an amazing human being. But that's my point is, uh, you know, people have said to me before, clients, Dr. Chris, <laughs> you must have the most amazing relationships because you write about these things in articles, you have books published, you do media, this is your clinical work, you're a scholar in this field. And I laugh and I say, well, I'm a person first. You know, that's, that's what I am first and foremost, a human being. And I, because of the work I do, I, I afford myself that vulnerability of being myself. I, I'm not trying to be a robot. I will never forget a client I worked with about 10 years ago who said, are you trying to turn us into therapy robots? And I thought it was a really profound question, especially at the time it was asked. And my answer is no, I want people to be humans. And I think we don't understand what mental health is. And I try to always advocate for it on the show when I remind people that mental health is feeling all your feelings and feeling them deeply. We're not doing toxic positivity. We shame no emotions. There are no negative emotions. We have to get away from that. You know, anxiety, fear, depression, those aren't negative. They are just emotions. Emotions are energies and experiences. And, and mental health is feeling all of them and feeling them fully. Mental health is not the absence of anxiety or fear or depression. That's life. And as a human, we have to be able to encounter those things. Now, bringing it back to my point about holding both where someone we love can also be someone we don't like and that the key, while knowing that people are going to frustrate us and let us down over and over, is that at the core, we have to know that they're a good person. And at the core, we have to know that there's accountability and apology. But even bigger than that, if you are harnessing and using conflict and disappointment and frustration and all that mess as a way to transform self, other, and the relationship... That's the key because we know from studies that happy long-term couples don't fight less. And at times they fight the same way that the nasty couples that we roll our eyes about, we can't believe they're still together fight. It's that the couples that are happy, healthy, long-term, they own their part. They work through conflict very well by talking it out. But bigger than that, they learn about each other in their relationship and they build intimacy now, the reason I brought up my relationship is because uh, it was like a week ago, 
we were having a really rough moment. And it was one of those rough moments where it, it wasn't necessarily clear what was happening. We were just missing each other, right? Having two different experiences of the same thing. And each of us really needed the other to center what they themselves were feeling. Okay, point being, it was a little funky, clunky, and rough at first. Voices were getting raised a little bit, a lot of emotionality. And then we both caught ourselves because, again, relationships are each other holding a mirror up so we can learn about ourselves. And we caught ourselves and we realized we were both just you know, amplifying and amplifying, pumping the gas, pumping the gas. There's no one pumping the brake. And as I always say, we need an adult at the room at all times to pump the brake. If everyone is acting like a child, we're, you know, it's, we're, we're screwed. And we, we, we just stopped for a second. And then my therapy training kicked in and I said, you know what we need right now to get out of our heads and out of language because we're just spinning the wheels and we need to just lay with each other. And we just lay there and held each other. We needed to co-regulate. We needed our bodies to touch each other. We just held each other and we just breathed. And the reason why we were able to do that in that moment of conflict is because we have trust at the core of our relationship. I know that this person cares about me. So I was able to let go. Because oftentimes issues are solved by transcending them, by being better than them, by going beyond them, by letting it go. We don't always need to be right. And afterwards, we calmly talked it out and we felt so much closer as a result of talking it out. But bigger than that, we felt safer. We felt safer knowing that we can get there. We felt safer knowing that we can resolve and heal and that we can weather these things. That's what we needed. That on the other side of all that was a lot of love and care. And we constantly do better. <clears throat> That's what we're trying to do. That's what the work is. All right, we got to take a little break. And when we come back, um, we're going to drop into, well, there's a couple of different things I wanted to actually cover that happened um, kind of in, in, in culture. So we're going to unpack and learn a few things about that. And then we're going to drop into some other stuff. I know, very vague, but it's like a couple of things in the news I want to cover. And of course, some DMs. So uh, stick around and join us. Got a great show. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hello, Rachel. We are back. Uh, want to get into some stuff. Um, this happened last week or the week before, um, and I wanted to bring it in. I, I don't like to cover like breaking news. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a news anchor. I'm not a reporter. I always try to make psychological meaning out of things and. Sometimes things, things aren't as powerful for me in the moment, or I want to kind of sit with them and unpack them. But there was an interesting story about a young female who held up the domestic violence hand sign while in a car. I believe they were kidnapped. I don't know. I'm not really interested in the story as much as I'm always interested in what we can learn from the story or the takeaway. Again, not a news reporter. You can go Google and find out the details. But the point is, is that there's a hand signal that is a universal communication for those that have been educated on it that says, I need help. I'm in a domestic violence situation. Because some people are in such abusive relationships that their partner goes through their phone, tracks who they're with, doesn't let them leave the house alone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I believe in this story, the person was kidnapped, not relevant to my story. And they held up the universal sign of, I need help. Well, beautifully and a little shockingly, because not everyone knows this, when they did it to someone driving in a car 
they recognized the signal, called the police while in the car, followed the car until the cops pulled up and they rescued this person. And the signal is hold your hand up as though you're, you know, just hold your hand up, palm facing out. And then you put your thumb against your palm and then you close your fingers over it, facing out. And that's the quiet signal. I, I need help. Call the police. And people will do that apparently in a car while in an unsafe ride. People can do that if you knock on their door to visit. More importantly though, someone might do that while FaceTiming you. Their partner would hear them if they said something like, I need help. The partner sometimes monitors them when they're seeing family members or friends are talking to them. And they just want to hold that up while they're talking to you on FaceTime. Or maybe they pose for a picture and you can see that. Look for that. Take that seriously. We all need to know that. Tell your friends about that. Again, it's your palm facing out. You then pull, wrap your thumb against the palm and you close your fingers over it. And you just hold that up and you hold that out. And that's the sign, I'm in danger. Please call police, get help. We need to know these things. I'm glad that those things exist. Uh, we know things like there are bars that have signs in the ladies' bathroom that say, if you order one of these three drinks, we will know that it communicates, please step in and help me. You know, please, I can't remember what, what the meanings are, but it's something like if you order this cocktail, it means that. If you order this cocktail, it means that. And they're quiet ways of asking for help. It hurts my heart that we live in a world where these things even need to exist. And the abuse is generally heterocentric, uh, male against female. You know, <laughs> most abuse, like 93% or something is male on female. Um, and so, you know, again, we talk about this on the show sometimes, but us men have to hold other men accountable. Of course, people that are non-binary, gay and lesbian, they also have high rates of violence, but it tends to manifest differently. Right now, we're just talking about the global problem of heterosexual violence, cis heterosexual violence. And us men need to hold each other accountable. And that's why I love the idea of like, even little jokes are part of the seeds of rape culture and toxic masculinity and sexism. The jokes we make the things we say, the things we nod and allow, that lets them stay alive. We need to be shutting everything down and making it not okay. Where violence against women isn't funny and we kind of make a cringy face because it is cringy and say, oh, that didn't feel good to me or that's not really that funny or I don't feel good with that joke. And that's where we start. But then we have to call out each other's bad behavior. I'm always calling my friends out saying that's not an okay way to treat someone. And I'm not even talking about abuse. I'm talking low level things like ghosting. I'll say, that's not okay. Send a text back, letting them know you're not interested in hanging out again. Like this is the universal collective ethics of care that we need to have. We are, we are responsible for everyone. We are responsible for people we don't know. We are responsible for our neighbor. That's a great example. If this human being hadn't done that sign and the person, if the person driving next to them was like, I, I'm not, that's not my daughter. I don't know her. I don't have to do anything. Where would we be? Where would she be? We need to care. It really bums me out when people are like, that's not my family, that's not my neighborhood, that's not my state, that's not my country. None of those are real boundaries. That's just ways of othering. We have to step in and care from the, from the ground up. Rape culture starts with the jokes, the comments, the bad behavior, all the way to uh, domestic violence. Which is also why I want to talk more about alcohol. You know, alcohol is involved in like 75 to 80% of domestic violence cases. It's also involved in 75 to 80% of violence. It's a nasty, nasty thing. It really has a negative toll in a lot of relationships where things are said or done while intoxicated that they don't stand behind. Because alcohol is not truth serum. Have you ever heard a concept of beer goggles? People will do and say a lot of things that they don't mean and don't believe while drunk, period. Because our executive functioning is offline. Our empathy, <laughs> our ability to process, you know, the truth and consequences and care. It also is toxic for every system in the body, truly. <laughs> it impacts your sleep. It has, it's nasty stuff, y'all. And when we get the recommendations of one to three drinks, that's because they know people aren't going to go cold turkey. Me stopping drinking is one of the best things I ever did for a multitude of reasons. Um, and it's something very private. That's why I don't talk about it on air because I don't feel the need to, but just know that your life will be improved with the removal of certain substances from your life. But this is not a topic about that. It's just about us all being a participant. So when I saw that story, I thought, again, everyone needs to understand this hand signal. Number one, number two, I have to remind everyone that we need to care about those around us. And I'm just thankful that this person knew it themselves. And so did the person in the car near them, because I've asked some different friends about it. And they're just like, I'm not that aware of it. It was, it took fire on TikTok. So this is like 
I think this was actually pre wait pre COVID. And then it kind of quieted down. So I'm just trying to kind of keep that ball in the air. So please talk to your friends and family members about it, whether they're, you know, someone who might be abused or not, because we need to recognize it in others. It's not just about us knowing that sign for ourselves. It's also so that we can help out others around us. Um, all right, we're gonna take a little break and uh, a couple other things in, in, in the atmosphere I wanna cover. And then uh, we're gonna do some DMs. So stick around for those DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page questions, topics you want us to hit, topics you want us to hit again or drop deeper into, and uh, past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Get all those gems internalized, make them a practice, make them yours. But uh, stick around, y'all. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. And I'm just kind of going through some things that are in pop culture and in the world. Uh, I see some different stats and articles circle back over and over. I still will always love this one because it throws people off. And it's a big article on why the divorce rate for older people is soaring. The highest divorce rate in history isn't subsiding. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, that's horrible. Well, Kinda, but divorces happen because relationships aren't working. Divorces happen because people realize they deserve better or relate or divorces sometimes also happen because people grow in different directions that, that those aren't bad things. Those are beautiful things. And I think part of the reason why we get so distraught around divorce is because we see it as finalizing. I, I will say this till I'm blue in the face. We need to leave relationships lovingly so we can maintain them. Just because you realize someone shouldn't be your sex or romantic partner anymore doesn't mean they can't still be a friend. All the other things that we value and enjoy about them can still exist in our lives. We need to normalize being friends with our exes. We need to normalize complex blended families. I work with far too many people where new partners feel like they have to uh, villainize and and despise ex-partners and blended families are angry at the former husband or wife. It's a mess. We need to grow up, grow up. When you realize a relationship isn't working anymore, work on it. And if you realize that that's not enough or you don't want to be in it anymore, lovingly tell your partner and leave with integrity. There is no reason to burn things down. In fact, it is a bad sign. If you are starting to date someone and they have nothing positive to say about their exes, it might be a sign that this person isn't mentally or relationally healthy. Because yes, it is possible that their ex isn't a healthy person, but most likely and most of the time, it's because they're not mature enough to leave a relationship lovingly and with ethics and care, and they have to just focus on the bad and speak ill of all of their exes, and that is how they will wind up treating you because they that's their skill set. So I tell people when you're first starting to date someone, always ask them how their last relationships ended or ask them about their exes. And if it's just smack talk all over the place about all of them, well, The common denominator is this person. They either don't choose healthy people or they're not a healthy partner and they create destruction or in the very least, they don't love when they don't leave when it's time to leave and they don't leave with love. That's what we need to normalize. Again, we shouldn't be threatened by our current partner's exes. That is immaturity and toxic forms of monogamy and ownership. What are you worried about? If you don't trust your partner, get out because we're working on only being with good people that we can trust, but the divorce rate isn't always bad. Remember, there is a time when we died at 24 because of a lack of healthcare and medicine. Now we are living into our hundreds. People are married for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. That is wild. It is bizarre to think that if you meet someone in your 20s or 30s, that that relationship is gonna have legs for 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. That's bizarre. We're going to have to get familiar with people coming in and out of relationships, and it doesn't have to be sad or bad. How we handle our leaving is what matters most. But yes, having said that, I do think we also need to learn how to work through relationships. I see this happen with people that are single trying to date, and I see this in people that are in longer-term relationships. We need to know the difference between what's annoying and frustrating and what are actual deal breakers and reasons to leave a relationship. I see too many people seeing red flags and annoyances as deal breakers. Why don't like the way they eat? Okay, and grow up. 
or I, I don't even have any good examples today, but they're the most ridiculous things that they'll share with me that came up on a dating app or in someone's bio. Oh, they're too outdoorsy. And I'll be like, oh my God, what? Like those are not deal breakers. Those are red flags. Red flags are things that frustrate us, annoy us. We're not sure how that will go. And red flags mean go get more information. Go actually find out. There's a lot of people that never actually meet this other individual or go on a date because they live in theory. They are theoretically trying to prevent it not going well. They are theoretically trying to prevent rejection. Oh my God, go on the date. Go find out. You are not allowed to make decisions in theory, having not actually been with the person to see what it actually feels like or looks like. Because people say a lot of things, I'm indoorsy, I'm outdoorsy, and they're more flexible than that, or your influence is positive on them, or whatever it is. So yes, we need to hang in there longer. We need to actually do the work, whether it's couples therapy, or what I recommend, sitting down every couple months and saying, how's this working? How's this feeling? What do we need to work on? What do we need to change? What needs to be different? Staying in the stages of courtship where it doesn't matter how long you've been together, you're still flirting and attracting and going on dates and bringing in romance. Let's look at some of the stats since 1990. So we're going way back. The divorce rate of people over 50 has doubled, but that's because a lot of people are like, I want better. I know better's out there. We have dating apps. People feel more financially secure. They're not feeling trapped by the stigma of divorce. That's not bad. Um, Researchers predict that gray divorces, divorcing over 50, will triple by 2030. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. People shouldn't be in relationships that they don't want to be in or aren't working or are abusive. So we'd have to understand what's going on in those marriages. There's a lot of problematic behavior out there. All right, we got to take a break. We'll come back, slide in those DMs. So stick around for that. Listening to Loveline, y'all, with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Drop any of your questions in there, topics you want covered, things you want us to circle back or drop deeper into. Uh, yeah, put it all in there. All right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm talking to someone. We've been dating for four months. All right. The other day, she told me she didn't want to have sex anymore because she developed feelings for me wants to remain single. Interesting. <laughs> it's getting very complicated. You've been dating for four months. She wants to be single. So she doesn't have sex anymore because she's developing feelings, which is usually what we're trying to achieve with sex and dating at times. Um, but she wants to remain single and said that sex would be too intimate. Okay. But she wants to keep dating. Wait a minute. Hold up. So she wants to remain, this doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry, <laughs> even dating for four months, but she wants to stop having sex to withhold feelings because she wants to remain single, but wants to keep dating. You, <laughs> here's your question. You're like, I don't understand. I'm like, I don't either. But back to your question, you said, I do like her, but feel like maybe this is a waste of time now. And if she wasn't dating to find someone, why is she dating? Uh, let me start by answering that question. Dating doesn't have to be in service of relationship. I appreciate that. That tends to be what that's about. Some people dating is all they want. They want something casual. They want to have partnership. They want to have joy. They want to have fun. They want to have sex. So dating can be a route to a lot of different things. Building friendships. Yeah, that's right. Some people date hoping that maybe it'll turn into love. And if not, maybe they'll build a friend. Some people date because they want, you know, sex with someone that they've gotten to know. Others, they date to explore if they want a relationship, right? Dating isn't the relationship itself. So we're dating multiple people. But for someone to say, I want to remain single, but I want to keep dating, that tells me they don't want anything monogamous, committed, or exclusive. That they want it to be casual. They want to be single, meaning they don't want the label of boyfriend or girlfriend. Um, they don't want exclusivity, but they enjoy spending time and having romance and sex in their life. And that's okay. I'm glad that this person was honest with you. But I can already tell by the way you're responding that that's not what you're looking for and that's not what you've been working on for four months. So you both want very different things and you will both be very frustrated, it sounds like, if you keep pushing forward because you might be trying to build more intimacy and commitment while this person's trying to push back on that. So lovingly say... Thank you for being honest with me. I really appreciate that. However, I'm looking to date in service of love and romance and commitment and relationship, and you don't want that. So we are not right for each other in that journey because to spend time with you will be for me to continue to develop feelings, which you don't want. So I wish you best and I release you and I send you back out into the world to find what you're looking for. 
and get back on those apps. I am working with tons of amazing people that are looking for someone like you, someone that does want to date to move into primary partnership. Why? Because we deal better. We do better. Our mental health is better when we have borrowed functioning, someone to lean on, someone in it with us. Our lives expanded. So offer that to someone who wants that. We should not be getting hung up and spinning our wheels with people that don't want what we want, especially when it's, you know, delivered in such a profound, honest, open way. This person sounds very self-aware and they care enough about you and themselves to be that honest. Say thank you, beautiful thing. Maybe you're let down, but take that energy and go back and find someone who wants what you want because there's a lot of people out there. Look at all the people on these apps. Let this person go find someone who wants something more casual. A lot of people that want that as well. And just maybe be thoughtful asking in the beginning, hey, do you wanna go on a date and what for you is dating about? Um, Because a lot of people, they think that dating inherently means that someone's working towards more and then they really bring them in and form a bond and they're let down. But I love that this girl was that honest with you. More honesty, please, even if it hurts people. Honesty lets people know where they are. It's such a sign of care and respect. I think the opposite is such a harsh thing to know what's going on, to know someone wants something else and to not bring it up. I always tell people that if you're dating someone and you know they like you more than you like them or they want something serious and you don't, bring it up. Bring it up. It is your responsibility. You're part of this. You're impacting them. It's not just on them to know better or to ask. Tell them, hey, it seems like you want something more. Is that true? Because I don't. <laughs> you know, that's love, care, and respect. But um, yeah, I'm glad people like her exist. But yeah, go find it. It's out there. Go find it. Go find it. You know, don't spin your wheels with someone who wants something you don't. All right, y'all, we're going to take a little break. We'll be back. DMs always open. So if you got a question, drop it in. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Head on over there, scroll down, look for Love Line, and click on it. You can binge, post, share, read, listen. Lots of gems for us to internalize and practice. But uh, like I said, we'll be back. So uh, join us. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, Rachel, we are back and uh, just kind of bouncing around, covering some different topics that are out there in pop culture. I'm always saving different articles and topics to talk about with y'all because, you know, certain things will hit you at a certain time and I'll be like, ah, that's interesting. Um, So before the DMs, we were talking about the uh, divorce rate rising for older couples, couples over 50. I also always laugh at this. There was another article that came out. This is in the UK, someone from a baking show. They were suspended from a dating app for impersonating themselves. Basically, for whatever reason, uh, (laughs) the app thought that it was a fake. And I love this, and I can share this because this was made public, but Alicia Silverstone, the actress, is on a dating app. Sharon Stone's been on dating apps. Um, Perez Hilton, like a multitude of celebrities are on these dating apps. And so it makes me laugh because a lot of them have reported that the app themselves deleted their account. Prez's was deleted on, on uh, I think it was Tinder, thinking it was fake. Sharon Stone was on Bumble. Makes me laugh because I don't know where everyone thinks that celebrities go to date, but they live in the same world we live in. I'm out here in LA and you'll see tons of celebrities at the gym, at the supermarket, at the movie theater. Because if you need food, you got to go to where it exists. You want to see a movie, you go to where they play. Uh, and so yes, they're on dating apps. Why do I bring that up? Well, Part of it is they don't have any shame. Thank God, that's a great thing. I, I want others to not. I Every now and then I'm blown away by the people that have shame or guilt about being on a dating app or won't go on one. And it bums me out because it's a, it's one of the number one ways that people now fall in love and find relationships. And I am constantly reminded because I forget because I live in a bubble apparently that there are some people in places where that's not seen as legit or serious or I don't know. I also have people feeling as though their profession permits them from being able to be on a dating app. I don't agree with that because being on a dating app is healthy and it's saying I'm interested in love. What what field or career is that a bad thing? I remember I was speaking at a um, um, psychology program at a university. And one of their professors had told them that therapists aren't allowed to be on dating apps. That's not true. They absolutely are. You're not allowed to be conversing with clients past or present, but you're allowed to be on there. And some therapists put in their informed consent, if you see me on an app, please block me. But therapists are allowed to be on apps and dating. Everyone is. Um, there's, you're allowed to have a full life. There's no career profession that should be able to negatively impact your life. And I think all therapists that are single should be on dating apps to understand how they work, to normalize them. Uh, but I, I want y'all to know, be on there. 
there's nothing wrong with that. If client sees you on there, you own it and talk about it. What did it feel like to see me on there? What do we need to process? There's no shame in that. And so I like that all these celebrities are coming out about being on the apps. I think that that's something that needs to normalize because remember the thing about dating apps is look, they're not ideal. I talk and wrote an article about dating app burnout. People are getting exhausted, which is why I always say, if you're in a good mood, go on. If you're not, don't, because you're going to see all sorts of mess. And that's why I'm also advocating for more ethics and integrity in how we show up when we're on them. But the benefits are you have access to people from literally around the world. <laughs> it's no longer just confined to those that you can bump into at the local bar, or supermarket, or wherever you go. Um, I was in a long-term relationship with someone in another country. We made it work for a couple years. Now we live together. It, it happens. You have to put the time in. We can't be so afraid of putting the work in. There are some people that have a list of ego requirements that you know this magical other has to meet, which are all ridiculous. Height, weight, income. None of those things say that you're ready for love or that you're mature. Those are all ego. Those are all about you, your worries and how you'll be seen and what you need to have happen for you to feel like you can have confidence. None of those speak to a person's ability to be a good partner. So you need to work on that. Having said that, I love the access it gives us. I love that it lets us practice flirting, courtship, communication, boundaries, but don't be afraid of doing some difficult work. What if someone who could be a great asset in addition to your life lives in another state or another country? You know, during that time when all my friends were like, oh, I can't believe you're in a long distance relationship. I can never do that. They're still single. They were dating locally while I was in this long-term relationship. Now we're together, living together, happy, building a life, and they're still single. So it's like their theory was wrong. It might be not ideal. It might not be easy. But a lot of things that are meaningful or important aren't easy or ideal, right? And the payoff is down the road. We are so obsessed with instant gratification. But if you're really looking for a partner, a true partner from an adult lens, you are wide open and you're willing to do what you need to do to build something with someone and things change. When I met this person from another country, I was not planning on moving there and they weren't planning on moving here, but we were like, let's see where this goes. And after building a relationship that was worth relocating for, they were willing to relocate here. That is how that goes. What we present or how we present or how we feel at the door isn't who or how we'll feel down the road. You have to go on the journey. I will always support people flying to other states and countries if they have the time and the money to meet people and to give things a shot. Thank God for technology. A lot of our relationship during COVID took place on FaceTime. So please don't limit yourself because all that time that you might be trying to only find things that are easy and accessible and local, you might be missing out on building something with someone far away and then you land in a better place versus still being single, thinking your working theory is better. The people that find what they're looking for have a wide net and they get out of their own way. All right, we gotta take a little break. Uh, we are channelq.com is where you wanna go to check out past episodes and uh, you got DM for us, question you want us to answer, topic you want us to cover, something you want us to drop deeper into, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, give us a follow back. We'd love to hear from you, but stick around. We'll be back, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all. All right, y'all, we are back. And now I hope y'all during that break got on your apps, <laughs> changed your uh, distance thing, how you know how far away you're open to and all that. Um, all right, so we talked about the domestic violence hand signal. We talked about divorce in later years. It talked about celebrities on dating apps. If you miss those segments and want to hear them, go to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, click on Loveline. It's all there. Um, oh, bless. Um, all sorts of people putting out a lot of false information out there. Um, actually, before I get into that one, I want to share something positive. This is great. California College is allowing homeless students to sleep in their parked cars. This is California's Long Beach City College said it will allow homeless students to sleep in their vehicles at the university's parking garage. Uh, it's called their Safe Parking Program, and it's meant to help unhoused students at the university and provide a safe space for them to park overnight. Enrolled students who are homeless are able to stay at the Pacific Coast campus parking structure seven nights a week. They'll have access to restrooms, Wi-Fi throughout the night, and they'll be able to use showers at the campus during morning hours. That is beautiful. More of that. Why would we not offer that to people, anyone, but especially students at university? Listen, not everyone has adequate housing near the university or adequate at all. Not everyone has or can afford Wi-Fi. 
Not everyone is able to both pay for school and textbooks and housing. Do you know how expensive textbooks are, even used ones? It's disgusting. There's no reason for a book to be hundreds of dollars. That is ill. I can't even, I, when I used to have to buy my textbooks, they were hundreds of dollars. Who has the time or money for that? These are students. Like that is what's such a racket about the educational system. That's why I'm a fan of people doing online programs and all sorts of stuff. Not everyone has a time or money to do the programs others can do. And we need to, you know, people want advancement. They want education. I'm, I'm a fan of people being independent scholars and not going to university at all. Some of the smartest psychologists I know didn't go to school for psychology at all. They study at home. Some people I know have gone to online universities. We usually love mocking things like that. Do you know that everyone's been going to school online through a pandemic? Y'all are going to still honor their diplomas because apparently online programs work, right? Every school was online for a while and those schools weren't even prepared to be online. So let's stop knocking what people have to do to get their needs met, educationally, housing, all sorts of stuff. I remember during the pandemic, there's memes of children sitting outside of a Taco Bell on the ground to do their homework because they needed Taco Bell's freaking Wi-Fi because they didn't have it at home. I even heard a story of a, a student not being able to afford a laptop and ready for this one would type out her papers on the notepad on her phone. This is people trying to do the best they can do with what's been given to them. Now we add in there students of color and queer students, trans students, gay students. It's even worse. Some of the highest rate of people kicked out of their home are people from the LGBTQIA community. So I'm glad that universities are stepping in being like, hey, we care for our students. The least they can do is let them park somewhere. That doesn't cost them anything. Let them use some showers in the Wi-Fi. That's beautiful. I think I want everyone to look at how we can all offer something like that. We need more of that. That's absolutely beautiful. Sticking with that, here's an article I was looking at about how employees, or I'm sorry, employers can advocate for their employees' mental health. And I think this applies to university systems, um, employers, bosses, all sorts of different systems. But uh, we need to do better. Um, poor mental health can result from financial issues, discrimination, all sorts of stuff. We know that. But how are the ways that employees, I'm sorry, not employees. How are the ways that employers, bosses, employers, companies, universities, anyone in that hierarchy at the top, how they can advocate for their students or employees' mental health? Well, the first one is encourage, I love this, create a supportive space that encourages discussion. Managers often assume that employees who are struggling will reach out to them for help, but there's a stigma, right? There was tons of articles about should employees, how do you know if it's safe to disclose to an employer or a company that you have mental health issues or struggles without getting discriminated against or stigmatized? And it's a double bind because on one hand, I'm always advocating for, for us to recognize equity that we can't have the same expectations on everyone because everyone has different mental health needs and different life events. Some people might've just lost someone. Others might have anxiety disorders. Um, I have a lot of social anxiety. I have a lot of anxiety stuff. And so I know I'm always having to advocate for myself and I can't have the same expectations placed upon me and I'm still at the top of the pile because I will speak up because I do have other privileges. But for those that don't, it's not always safe to ask for what you need. And that's why I'm always saying equity, equity, equity. If you're a teacher, you do need to maybe have different rules for different students. If a student's coming in to school from having been at home with abusive parents, you're right. They might be sleepy during class. If a student's coming in and they're a single parent, yes, they might be running late because their child was sick. It's called care. Educate, what, a test or a, a chosen test date should mean more than a human being's mental well-being? Like, my God, what's going on here, right? So there's a variety of ways that we can do that. But just starting to hold discussions, making it normalized. Um, if you see signs of it, bringing it up lovingly, supporting it. Also advocating for employees or students through policies and initiatives. Increased mental health days and sick days. You can't come up with a magic number. You never know what's going on. What if someone has a week-long depression? You can't just suck it up. You wouldn't say it to someone whose leg they can't walk for a week. We need better health care and benefits. Um, mental health counseling support, more resources. Stuff is important. Schools are getting a little bit better uh, adding this, but a lot of uh, organizations still don't offer this for employees. If they call in a mental health day, it's not always available. Um, Training managers on how to build relationships around this, looking for signs. Yeah, I'm not really going to get much into it, but you know, when I read articles like that about the school taking care of their students in that way, it really warms my heart, and I want that to be inspiring to everyone who's a parent, an educator, a boss. What are the ways, um, or the head of a CEO of a company, what are the ways that we can really care for the people that are in our care? Because when you're going to school or you're working somewhere, the amount of hours you put in there 
it's quite extensive. You know, some people see their colleagues more than they see their children or their partners. That's gross and we need to change that. But that's just the, you know, fact of life for some people. So let's make those environments a little more supportive of their mental health. Again, I see so many people posting things about mental health, but then they don't actually walk the walk and talk the talk. Uh, they still stigmatize. They still don't really support. It's a mess. I'll keep reminding y'all. Um, that just kind of came out of left field. So, uh, But anyway, time to take a break. And we'll be right back. Uh, stick around. And then after that, we're going to close out the show with some DMs. You listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. And I thought we would uh, just spend a minute talking about happiness. It's a side project I'm obsessed with. Love talking about ways to get there, but this is actually an interesting piece. It's about how different cultures define happiness differently. Ah, right? Thinking outside our westernized worldview and understanding that well-being is far from universal. Different ways that different people see happiness. I love this. Um, There's something called the World Happiness Report. And we have many other, ready for this, international happiness indexes. So we can compare these different self-reports on happiness, but they all look at it differently. I love this. Um, Okay, so there are some commonalities, and this is a study of 12 countries. They found that in all 12 countries, psychological definitions of happiness existed. Okay, so that was something that was acknowledged, the psychological piece, how you feel inside, that inner feeling, and that dominated all the others. Um, they, 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 they tended to center around use of words that talked about inner harmony. I like that word, harmony. They feel good. Okay, so inner harmony might sound universal, but it can mean very different things in different places. So that's when it starts to get clunky. Yes, they might've used some similar traits or words, but they have different meanings. So for instance, Denmark, they talk about harmony as being like a coziness and a comfortableness. I just love that word cozy. I I just, I don't know, I feel it in my body. Where Americans tend to define it in terms of their skills and their passions, and usually within the context of work. So Americans, where we are so obsessed with materialism, what we own, what we can afford, we're very class, we're really rooted in a lot of classism here, and we're overly addicted and obsessed with our jobs to the detriment of our friends and our mental health. We work too much, we put work before all else, none of that is mental health centered. We need to be working less and putting our, you know, our passions and people in our lives before work. So I'm not shocked that Americans defined happiness in terms of you know, their skills and work, um, where the people, you know, the Danes are more <laughs> worried about coziness and comfort. I love that. Um, so wait, I'm looking further at this. So Americans less than half brought in, in their definitions of happiness, their relationships, which is a bummer. Um, whereas Other cultures focused more on family definitions of happiness. In Asia, happiness is defined in terms of expecting, oh wait, hold on, I got that wrong. Okay, so in the West, um, this is very clunky, the wording they're using. Uh, In the West, they found happiness to to be, be defined as a high arousal state, such as excitement, right? That's us always pumping that gas. We want newer, bigger, shinier, larger, faster, you know what I mean? So that's not surprising. And that's part of the problem is happiness is lower level, it's contentment. That's what all the studies show we should be seeking. But here in the West, we think it's gonna be these high level states. Uh, But then in Asia, it's low level states like calmness. It's, It's harmony, it's calm. That's what I think contentment is. I think we got it wrong. And that's why we're always trying to push for more. Buy the newest thing, take a bigger vacation, and, and that's exhausting, and that's always pushing the bar higher. We look at definitions like calmness, contentment, sounds more reasonable, more doable, also more sustainable. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm looking at some of the other ones here. Whoa, in Germanic languages, they talked more, so Germany, but we're looking at the use of words. Their happiness concepts were rooted in fortune or positive fate. What an interesting spin. Positive fate or fortune. Basically, 
Luck. Luck. And then uh, Latin-based languages, they talked more about happiness as growth and prosperity. And then, of course, everything has to get more complex and they start focusing on inner happiness versus outer happiness. <laughs> but there are basically four major models for well-being. Happiness comes from good relationships with the people you love. I love that one. Happiness comes from a higher consciousness. Ooh. Happiness comes from doing what you love, usually with others. And then finally, happiness comes from simply feeling good. But if you notice it, none of the definitions are ever about how much money you make, how many things you have, what your career status or title is. And that's because those things are very fragile and those things give us bursts of joy, but that that is not sustainable. We know that when they look at research on when people get something new or they win the lottery, that that, that level of enhanced joy is about a six to nine month max, max. And then it just becomes standardized. And then the newness and novelty that spike that joy kind of wears off. We've talked about that. You get that new car and everyone has to wipe their shoes before getting in it. And you clean up afterwards. And then a couple months in, you're like, ah, this old thing. Ah, I don't mind if I spill my coffee on it. It's wild how that happens, right? So basically, it depends on where you go, how you see happiness. But uh, us Americans, we're always wanting the shiny new objects. God bless us. Gets in our way, though. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be uh, sliding into those DMs. So if you've got a DM for us, as always, drop us a DM in the Loveline IG page. Give us a follow back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We got a lot more to come. We'll be right back. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Ashley. Just got out of a four-year relationship. After I realized that my partner was cheating on me. See, that stuff hurts my heart. If you don't want monogamy, tell the person. If you want to get out of the relationship, tell the person. If you need more sex or something different, tell the person. If you, if you feel like you're drifting apart, tell the person. Cheating is such a horrible symptom of something else or a solution because we're not willing to be honest with ourselves or other people and it hurts them. And then they take that lack of trust into the next relationship and it really prevents them from being open and vulnerable and present. Stop cheating on people. Dear God, have some integrity. If you're a cheater, recognize that maybe you don't want monogamy or you're not built for it. Just own that. That's the healthy piece. Hey, I don't do monogamy or I don't do it well. So that's okay. Stop trying. Have only open relationships or polyamory. Take on that extra responsibility of more primary or secondary relationships, whatever it is. Stop cheating on people, you guys. Come on. There's nothing healthy about that. And for the friends of these people, call them out on it. Yo, bro, that's not cool. Stop doing that. And right now it's the women that are cheating more. Yeah, women are cheating more now than men. So girls, call each other out. Like, what's up? Don't be doing that. Grow up. That's never okay. And for people that are helping someone cheat, you're accountable too. You're an accomplice. It is, it is on you. You know that that person's with someone else. So you're participating in that harm. You are no better. You are no better. Do not help. Do not be a participant in someone's cheating. Do not ever be a participant in someone else being harmed. But here's the rest of the question. <laughs> that wasn't even the question. This person says, been with someone for four years. They realized that, you know, they were cheating on me. I found out that it was multiple people. Of course, why not, right? And just not one. Okay, well, that shouldn't really matter. You know, let the injury just be the injury. 
You dodged a bullet. This person's not a good person. Question says, I don't know how I let this happen. Don't even worry about that, honestly. Sometimes it's not about us at all. But it is healthy to look back and say, what have I maybe done? What was I part of contributing that maybe made this relationship something that wasn't important or meaningful to them? We do want to look at that. No one's ever a total victim. Even when we are a total victim, we can enhance our empowerment by saying, what might my contribution have been? You know, how can I be better next time? It's how we empower ourselves out of victimization. But yes, people can be victimized, obviously. Anyway, it says, how do, I don't know how this happened. Everyone says it's not my fault, but I have this insane amount of guilt. Well, again, that might be tied to something. Maybe you did do or say something or helped create a relationship that wasn't important to them and they felt okay harming it. I don't know. I, I have every client I work with, though, that's been in prior relationships look back to learn about who we are and who we can be again. Best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. If you've done something, you can do it again. So look at who you were as a partner. What was I proud of that I did that I want to make sure I do again and bring forward? And also, what are the parts of myself that I wasn't proud that I brought into that relationship that I don't want to bring forward again? That is important work to do, so do that work. It's not about blame. There really shouldn't be words like blame in events like this. In relationships, it shouldn't be about that. It should just be about looking at the, what's going on in the relationship, what needs to be done, do I need to exit, do I need to vocalize something, do changes need to be made? If my partner's not worthy of trust or they're harming me, I need to exit from that relationship. And I wanna be aware of what I did and I didn't do. Even though I might not be responsible for them choosing to cheat, I still wanna learn about myself as a relational being. My past relationships helped me do that and I can learn and grow from that. That's really all it is. We don't need disclosure, we don't need um, closure. It's not a real thing, it's a myth, it doesn't happen. Often it's a way to just hold on. We don't need someone to absolve us of what we've done. Just look at who you were and be better next time. You know, Make different decisions. But I'm sorry that happened, that's horrible. It can stay with us forever sometimes. That's why I'm telling everyone, be better about that stuff. I think we've normalized that. We've normalized a lot of bad things, though. As I always say, and as I will always continue to say, us being brought into someone's life in any form, we should be making people's lives better, not harder, by our presence. And if it's anything other than that, work on yourself first. You know, take a break. All right, y'all. That is our show. We'll be back tomorrow night. Got a question for us, topic you want covered, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Love to hear from y'all. And uh, we are channelq.com. Is where you want to go to check out past episodes. Scroll down, click on Loveline. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. But take the rest of the night or the day and focus more on self-care. You know, how can I build in a little bit more joy today? How can I build in some rest? Because that's the uh, key components of mental health. Um, otherwise, join us again. We'll be back. Thanks for hanging out, y'all. And you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 